Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Uh, We're going to start tonight and anticipate it will take us tonight and next week to talk about the War of the Ages. You should have your hand out. Uh, and we're looking in chapter 12 of Revelation. John is writing to uh, the church under intense persecution. <laughs> and he wants them to understand <coughs> the reason for their suffering. And he wants to explain the reason for the presence of evil. And in chapter 13, he's going to be talking about the Antichrist and the false prophet. So I think he wants to say, now look, you need to realize that there is a war that has been going on throughout the ages, and it will help you to understand what you're going, what you're going through if you understand about this war of the ages. Now, I think that there are basically six battles in this war of the ages, I think in chapter 12 of Revelation, we have four of these uh, spoken about. uh, And then the fifth and sixth are talked about in Revelation as well, but in other chapters. Uh, So we're going to spend a couple of weeks looking at chapter 12 to help us get a better understanding of this spiritual war that has been going on, is going on, and will be going on. Some of the battles are past, some are right now, in the present, and there are some in the future. Uh, And we'll see that. And that's what I've given you here in this timeline uh, that you have. Uh, The first battle uh, took place before the world was created. And then the second battle took place in the Garden of Eden. And that continues on uh, and will continue on until the uh, Millennial Kingdom of Christ is set up. Uh, And then number three, the third battle that we're going to see takes place right at the midpoint of the Tribulation. Uh, And the fourth battle takes place right at the midpoint of the Tribulation. The fifth battle takes place when Christ returns. And the sixth and final battle will take place at the end of the millennial kingdom. That's your number six. So again, you'll get more details as we look at each of these battles. But I wanted you to kind of get a feel for the overall, uh, how they fit into the scheme of uh, human history and even before. Now, tonight we're going to be looking at the participants in this War of the Ages. Over in Revelation chapter 12, let me begin reading. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, and the agony 
of giving at the agony of giving birth. Who is this woman? I think this woman represents Israel of the people of God. Now I think it's clear in the Old Testament that there are times when the nation of Israel is represented by a woman. And I think John is using this Old Testament way of speaking about Israel. For instance, over in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 17, we see Israel spoken of as a woman, where we read, As the pregnant woman approaches the time to give birth, she writhes and cries out in her pain. Thus were we before you, O Lord. And so again, you will see this recurring theme in the Old Testament that Israel is referred to as uh, a woman. Now also, uh, I think the mentioning of the sun and the moon and the twelve stars also indicates the nation of Israel. I think again, John is alluding to an Old Testament event. You remember an Old Testament event that uh, involved the moon, the sun, and stars? It was a dream that Joseph had, exactly. Over in Genesis 37, Joseph had a dream. He saw the sun and moon and 11 stars. And you remember he told this dream to his father Jacob. And Jacob immediately recognized what it represented. It was Jacob and Joseph's mother and his 11 brothers. And so I think the 12 stars in her crown stand for the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's one other passage that makes it clear that the woman is Israel. And I think Paul over in Romans 9, uh, verses 4 and 5, says that it was the nation of Israel that gave birth to the Messiah. We read there, Who are Israelites to whom belong the adoption as sons, and the glory and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the temple service, and the promises? Who are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh? And so Paul, in speaking of Israel, speaks about Israel as being the nation from which the Messiah, Jesus, came in the flesh. So the woman, the first participant in the battle on the women's side, is Israel. Now we see another participant in verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems. Now I think this is none other, this dragon, than the evil one, the devil, and Satan. Now look again in verse 9 where he gives a little more explanation. He says, and the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. Now, you remember John's day, a dragon was a symbol of evil. I think the ten horns represent his power. 
this evil one that John is describing is very strong. He has powers that go beyond the human realm, uh, supernatural powers. Uh, a dragon is no match for a simple human being. I think the seven heads probably refer to his vitality. One of the ways you kill a creature is by cutting off his head, right? Uh, well, a creature with seven heads would be hard to kill. Evil is hard to kill. Uh, we think we've stamped it out in one place only to see it rise up in another. So notice the seven crowns on the seven heads. Now, these are the crowns diadem. You know, there are two different words in the Greek language for crown, right? Diadema and Stephanos. Stephanos is the victor's crown. We get our name Stephen from that. Diadema is the royal crown. And the word that's used here is diadema. These are royal crowns. It's saying that this dragon has a ruling position. Now, it's interesting to me that Paul speaks of the devil as the prince of the power of the air. The Bible calls the devil the ruler of the demons in Matthew 12. Again, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 says the God of this world. And even Jesus in John 14 called Satan the ruler of this world. And so the dragon has the supreme rank among the evil angels. He is the leader of the evil forces. He is the commanding general of the evil forces in this war. So your first one under the losing side is the devil. Now again, he's called the serpent of old, as we saw in verse 9. Well, clearly that's a reference to the Garden of Eden, where Satan came as a serpent to Eve and, and deceived her and sought to destroy her. Serpent of old, he's been around a long time. He's learned a lot in those years. Now, throughout history, in most cultures, the serpent has been a symbol for evil. Also, he's called the devil. Now, this word devil literally means diabolos, to throw through. It's a prefix dia, which you remember diameter. D-I-A is the distance through something, right? And the verb bolas means to throw. And so the word literally means to throw through. And then it developed and became to mean one who is an accuser, one who is a slanderer, to throw insults and accusations at someone or through someone. And so this name came up for evil as the one particular in the first century uh, as we read about the devil, the slanderer, the accuser. In fact, in the first century culture, there was a person who was well-known and well-hated uh, who was called the paid informer. And he was a devil. He would be paid to cast insults and accusations at people. He made his living by accusing people before the authorities. Now, you remember when, when uh, they had Jesus on trial? They found people who would come in and lie about 
say things about him that were lies. So that's kind of the, what you're seeing happening here. Now, the devil is the accuser of men before God. He is a chief slanderer of men to God. He slandered Job before God. What did he say? Put forth your hand and he will curse you to your face. That's what Satan told God that Job would do. Uh, and then he's called again Satan in verse 9, which means adversary. This personal being is the chief adversary of God and man. He wants to stop everything God is doing. He wants to destroy whatever is of God and God's kingdom. He wanted to tempt Jesus in the wilderness to get Jesus to sin so he could not be our Savior. Uh, he entered into Judas and sought to uh, move Judas to betray Jesus, hoping again to destroy Jesus. He wanted to make Peter fall. You remember, he demanded to sift Peter like wheat. And so he is, is the adversary who seeks to be against everything God is for. Also, he's called the deceiver. Now, we know him as the father of lies. And he will deceive us into believing his lies even as he did Eve. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that he blinds the spiritual eyes of lost men and women. He seeks to supplant the truth of God with his lie. That's what we have in the cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, uh, other groups. It's the supplanting of God's truth with Satan's lie. So here you have, on the winning side, first you have Israel. And on the losing side, you first have Satan. Now that moves us to verse 4 as we add the next group. His tail, that is Satan's tail, swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And again, in verse 7, Now war rose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So we have the third third participant are the devil's demons. Which the word demon simply means knowing one. They are falling angels. I think, as do quite a few other students of Revelation, that this third of the stars of heaven refers to the third of the angels who rebelled with Satan being cast out of the highest heaven. And we don't know how many there are, but this seems to refer to that, and as we look at the battles in particular, we'll get more detail. But remember, some of these fallen angels are so clandestine, so evil, that they are locked up in the abyss. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago, as we see that in Revelation chapter 9, when they are let out with the blowing of the fifth and sixth trumpet. But others of these fallen angels are here on earth, and they're working with Satan. They are his cohorts now. 
Many people believe that in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have the hierarchy of these demonic forces. When Paul talks about over in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but he says, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now, some would see this as a hierarchy of the demonic forces. And just as the army we know about has a very clear structure, uh, that Satan's army also has a very clear structure. And that may be the case. Uh, I don't think that it's necessary that we have to uh, accept that. Uh, it's simply the truth to know that he has many fallen angels, demons that are at his beckoning call, and he uses them to help him wage this war. The uh, fourth participant, so that goes under the losing side, put the demons. Uh, the fourth participant is none other than the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And here we are back in Revelation chapter 12. And look in verse 5. She, that is the woman, gave birth to a male child. One who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Right, the child that comes forth from the nation of Israel is none other than Jesus. He is the only one that will rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And you remember when that will occur? During his millennial kingdom. During the thousand years that he will reign on earth. He will set up his kingdom when he returns. And the whole world will be under his absolute rule and authority. John says her son was caught up to God and his throne. Now that's a reference to the ascension of Christ. John moves from Jesus' birth to his ascension. Now he's already told us of the slain Lamb of God, of his death in chapter 5. But John sees around the throne a lamb, one as if slain. Now John pictures Jesus ascended into heaven, seated with God on his throne. So on the winning side, participants, we have Israel. We have Jesus Christ. On the losing side, we have Satan and his demons. Now let's add another group of participants. That is Michael and the heavenly angels. In verse 7. Now there arose a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So here we have Michael who is the archangel of God. Jude 9 speaks of Michael as the archangel. He is a mighty warrior angel that leads the angels of God in battle against evil against Satan and his demons. And we'll talk about when this battle takes place. It's yet to come. But we'll be talking about that 
when we look at the individual battles. He is also spoken of as being the guardian angel of Israel. Daniel speaks about this over in Daniel 10, verses 13 and 21, and Daniel 12, verse 1. And so Michael, an archangel of God, the guardian angel of Israel, and the other angels of God are to be added to the participants on the winning side. Next we have the world, verse 9. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. The world, the lost world, is under Satan's deception. He moves and he molds their minds according to his evil plans to destroy God's kingdom. Men and women who are without Christ are pawns in Satan's army. Ephesians 2, Paul describes the condition of a person who is not a Christian. And look at what he says in verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So as you see, the followers of the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. An unbeliever, unknowing to him probably, but nevertheless, Satan is using them as pawns in his army. He's blinded their eyes to see spiritual truth, so they're not seeing the light of the gospel. And he is uh, using them to advance his clandestine uh, efforts against the church. All right, so here we have, under the losing side, you got Satan, you got his demons, and you have lost people. Under the winning side, you have Israel, you have Jesus, and let's add to that the church. All right, in verse 17 of chapter 12, We have the church mentioned. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Look at verse 17. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring. And then he describes who those are. On those who keep the commandments of God and who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Now, I think the offspring is us. I think the nation of Israel is the woman. And Jesus came from the nation of Israel. And we, by virtue of Jesus, and of course the early church was Jewish, uh, have come through them. We are the other offspring, I believe, again. When you see the the woman as a whole nation, uh, then the offspring would be the church. And I think, again, it says, hold to the testimony of Jesus, which I think makes it clear that it's talking about Christians there, uh, not uh, Jews uh, who don't hold to the testimony of Jesus. 
All right, so add to the winning side the church. So here we have this people, groups, these participants involved in this war of the ages. And next week, Lord willing, we will begin looking at the first war of the ages, which takes place before the creation of the earth. And I will tell you that it's found in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens, and by that I believe it's speaking about the spiritual beings in the heavens, the angels, and the earth. So I think we have a, a and I, I, you know, I really can't use the word time frame because I don't think time really came about until he made the earth. But anyway, there is a, a period between the creation of the heavenly beings, the angels, and the creation of the physical world. I don't think those will, were simultaneous. In the beginning, God created the heavens, the spiritual realities, spiritual beings, and then he created the earth. And it was during this time before the earth was created that I believe Satan, the first war, where Satan rebelled against God. All right? And that's why he shows up in the Garden of Eden. Because he's been cast out of heaven. Now again, we will look at the scripture passages that have to deal with this uh, next week, Lord willing. Uh, but that will conclude our study for tonight. And